Welcome all to the latest episode of the Nudges for Social Good podcast from the Local Government Association. My name is Rian Gladman and I manage the Behaviour Change Programme here at the LGA. And for those of you who've listened to previous episodes of this podcast, you will know that our main aim is to demystify behaviour change and break it down into those practical components uh, that councils can use to address behavioural challenges in their own local area. And how we do that is through conversations with those in local government who are leading their behaviour change projects and and bring it to life through those examples. So today I'm joined by Nicola Plummer from New Forest District Council. Hi Nicola, thanks for being with us today. How are you? Good morning, very well thank you, yes. Great stuff, great stuff. So if you could just start by sort of explaining what your role is at the council and then we'll, we'll get into it from there. Yeah, sure. Um, So I work in the operations team at New Forest District Council. Um, My role is projects and performance officer. So I get involved in um, a range of projects that kind of aim to improve the service outcomes for uh, waste and recycling operations, but also for our street scene services. And so one of those projects has been this journey, um, working alongside our chosen behavioural insights experts to, to, to improve littering within the district littering hot topic um, in councils at the moment so I think that you know there'll be lots of people out there really listening into this one really keen to learn from from what you've you've been through and and what you found through your project um so I, the easiest way to do this really is, is is over to you to sort of explain your project um and the key thing to start with is what was the behavior that you were trying to change yeah, so the original challenge or the original focus of the project was very much on littering from vehicles. Um, so the original scoping reports set out ways that we can examine this specific behaviour. Um, why? Because it's, um, I mean, it's not just a problem for the New Forest, obviously, um, but it does pose a significant issue for our area. Um, commonly for for other areas, um, verge clearance is expensive. It's potentially quite dangerous for the operatives to collect from from the side of the road. It can cause traffic disruption. But for the New Forest specifically, um, it also causes a threat to wildlife in an area like the New Forest where where we have roaming animals um, and livestock. There's additional considerations for us with that material on the side of the road. Um, I think it's important to say that actually that wasn't um, the the challenge that our trial intervention eventually targeted and uh, the COVID situation had a, a significant part to play in that. Um, however, the research methodology that we'd used um, and the evidence that we'd, we'd gathered um, was used, uh, you know, in that process to create this adaptable framework and COVID gave us this um, perfect storm, if you like, to, to test that adaptability. So I guess what you're saying, you already had, you'd done some pre-work and the focus was around littering on verges, people, you know, litter from cars in an area of outstanding natural beauty, which is which is where you are in the New Forest. And mm-hmm. and then you, you pull together a framework of, of how you're going to take that project board and then COVID hits, the world changes. Um, how did your project change from there? Yeah, so... Um... It was about the time we were trying to or starting to select our sort of trial interventions to deal with a litter thrown from vehicle. Um, this was February, March 2020. So last year we obviously COVID hit global pandemic, very small inconvenience um, for us operationally, like other local authorities. We were completely stretched um, in terms of our staffing. Um, 
like everybody else, we had the lockdown measures to contend with. And so we suspended littering from vehicles project um, in March last year. As we came out of lockdown, which was June-ish of that first sort of lockdown period, and we looked at it again, um, you know, we really wanted to continue with the project. Um, but the, there'd been a, such a shift in so many ways. I mean, with the original project, for example, we were um, sampling litter collected on the verges that had had to be suspended. Um, even if we could monitor litter, the roads had been so quiet for months, you know, how would that skew our project? How would that skew our monitoring? Um, and then additionally, um, at that particular time, we're talking May, June 2020, this really wasn't a priority now for the council and like other areas, there was this kind of new littering problem. So the context had totally changed and we needed to 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 um, to use the the evidence that we'd gathered um, to put to coastal littering problem. So you might remember scenes back um, on the national news last year, um, and I think specifically, um, I'll think about the the Bournemouth incident where they declared a, a major incident. Um, and I, I pick out Bournemouth, although it was happening all over the country because Bournemouth is just down the road from where we are. Essentially, they're right on our on our border. Um, you know, the amount of people that were just flocking to the coast um, was vast. Um, emergency services were stretched to their limits. Um, and, and like I say, although this was you will have seen it on the news um, in areas like Bournemouth, it wasn't it wasn't just in Bournemouth. It was happening everywhere and, and we weren't exempt from that. You know, we were dealing with much more waste and much more litter than we, we ever had done before. And we, we, we were trying to tackle it. Um, we increased the size of our bins where we could, but we have um, quite a lot of locations where you can't access um, with a bigger vehicle that you would need to empty a, a typical, typical sort of bigger bin. Um, we increased our staffing um, along our coastal locations. Um, so we had operatives working from 6 a.m. in the morning through to 8 p.m. seven days a week. But still, we were getting these masses of, of overspill at these coastal locations. Um, and more people is one of the reasons. Um, but I think what we'd found is also the type of litter had changed. So, you know, at the time also, people were less able to eat indoors. So people were having more takeaways. Takeaway packaging is no longer just a couple of sheets of um, paper for your fish and chips. You know, it comes in pristinely boxed parcels with extra bags around the outside. You know, pizza boxes are huge. If you've got a small litter bin and someone tries to put that in the top of a, uh, in the top of a litter bin, it can almost fill it or look like it's been filled. Um, and then there was this culture, really, of people bringing these takeaways to these beauty spots, which really kind of took off and has, has been maintained to, to some degree. Um, I think people had um, ha had taken into this culture, but they kind of hadn't taken into um, removing that waste of taking that with them. And, and, and they hadn't really bought into the um, to the fact that that could be a problem that, that would be left in that particular spot. So there's an issue there around, you know, from the supply side, you know, putting more collections on, more staff on it, which is already a scarce resource, you know, already under pressure, public services at that time. Um, so that's the supply side. So actually looking at that and you, you can't just keep putting more and more of that on. And then it's starting to, you shifted your thinking to look at the demand side and thinking actually it's this change in behaviour that we need to look at. Um, and actually, you know, to, to discourage this new behaviour we've seen and actually and that therefore was it right that that became the focus of your projects? 
Yeah, I mean, so you'll see in, I mean, in our report, there are some images in there, um, of waste literally piled up next to bins. Um, and this is something that we found happens a lot, um, and we would call it polite littering, you might say. Um, so our intervention really was targeting these people that potentially genuinely don't think that they're doing anything wrong. Um, but as, as we know, you know, uncontained waste at a coast is a problem aesthetically for us as a council. It's hard, you know, it's a lot of waste for us to collect. So operationally, it's difficult, but environmentally, you know, uncontained waste um, that close to um, a watercourse or the sea or the coast uh, is disastrous or, or potentially can be. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, so we, we as a council were doing what we could, like you just said, we couldn't keep adding to that resource. So, you know, we wanted to take the uh, the research that we're doing, the finding we're doing and, and put that to see if we can actually elicit a, a behaviour change in our on our coastal visitors. Just to pick up that, I think, Nicola, the way that polite littering, I think, yeah, that's the term, that's such an important term, isn't it? And councils listening will be, even if they don't have coastal area responsibility, they'll be finding this in their parks, in their, you know, nature walks, beauty spots, canals, where people have been outside more and, and appreciating that natural environment. But the polite littering definitely is something that that councils across the country are struggling with so hence this is a really important and timely conversation that we're having here in, in sharing in sharing your projects so um so polite littering you've already got your framework so so what was the intervention that you put into place okay so what the was that behavioral nudge <laughs> so the intervention that we we put into place, um, I mean, I, I go back back a little bit when we 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 go back to the the research that we'd done. Um, we'd done, you know, a, a, a fair amount of research where we um, social engine our behavioural insights experts, um, who were really excellent and really fantastic to work with. I mean, they'd gone away and they had um, done a desk research, a, a literature review. Um, they'd come in and they'd held uh, stakeholder workshops um, with our uh, key partners. Um, they'd carried out, you know, uh, in-depth telephone interviewing with with other stakeholders. They talked to enforcement officers. They talked to local restaurants. They talked to our operatives. They talked to local people that have an active interest in anti-littering. Um, you know, they went out and observed and so. At our littering hotspots and they they talked to and interviewed motorists and van drivers and lorry drivers and they went out and they talked to um, focus groups of young people um, and they also carried out this big sort of perception survey as well where they gathered over 800 responses and so they've done a lot of work um, and I won't go into everything that they found within all of that work obviously the the writing is is there in the report um, but what they some of the key findings they did find was that um, about half of people, you know, appear to have dropped litter or drop litter. It's not just a young person's problem, although they might be a little bit more honest about their behaviour. Women appear to be a little bit more opposed littering than men, um, suggesting that men may be um, more likely to sort of follow that behaviour. Um, and the other thing is that litter attracts litter. So when we think about this, um, behaviour of polite littering specifically, and we see it piled up by a bin, if one person makes that action, it makes it more acceptable to another person. 
Um, so this really feeds into a key behavioural insights principle, which is around social norms. And actually, you know, you don't want to stand out from the herd. We work humans you know want to uh, conform and and not stand out in that way so therefore if you see a certain behavior you will follow it you don't want to be the one hence where we get cues att attracting cues is a bit of a classic one yeah and as you say the polite littering people looking oh that's is that the way we do it here let's join in with that so yeah I, I just think that is a really important point just to highlight for, for people listening that's that element of social norms so sorry as as you were saying yeah, no, ex exactly. And that, that was really the crux of um, the crux of our intervention. You know, social social norms do impact behaviour. Um, if people see litter around a bin, they're more likely to, to think that that's an acceptable behaviour. If they're with people that um, litter, they are more likely to litter. But the converse is also true. So if they see people carrying out, you know, the desired behaviour or not littering, then you know that can also have an impact on their behaviour. So that's kind of the crux of um, the crux of what we wanted to kind of use to to get people to to carry out this desired behaviour. And our desired behaviour, essentially at the coast, is to get people to take their litter home when the bin is full. We provide bins, but as we've already said, um, that when when the capacity is reached and our capacity is reached um, due to those external factors beyond our control, we kind of have to look at other people's behaviour. Our intervention um, was based on two key hypo hypotheses. Um, and that is one that, you know, New Forest residents are really, really proud of where they live. Um, and the second one is that people are more likely to litter if they think they won't get caught. And so, the initial overarching uh, framework branding that was designed was based on those. So, and we wanted to include elements of surveillance um, and that sort of affinity love for our area. So, we the 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 branding was this look out for our forest message, which was um, adaptable to be able to use um, in a positive way. Um, you know targeting those um, personas that potentially would be helping us look out for litter, um, but also to target those that, you know, we know are dropping litter, um, look out litter bug. So these were the sort of key themes that were coming through of our messages. And the, um, the branding framework came from the all the insights work that Social Engine had done, all the interviews, all of that sort of gathering information in, then informed that branding framework and those messages is that correct that's right yeah that's right um and so um obviously in february 2020 in february uh, march 2020 we were looking uh, at that stage to um we had this sort of branding framework but we were looking to introduce interventions um with those key themes um to tackle our littering from vehicles project um which are still sat in the background, but obviously have never sort of come into to fruition. And when we got this new coastal littering problem, we looked at it again and we used that information um, to 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 put into this coastal, coastal littering intervention. Um, the actual intervention um, was really, really very, very simple. Um, we we identified key coastal locations and we put in um, poster trailers 
um, which displayed our message, which was very big and bold, which was look out litter bug, take your litter home. Um, the branding for that was Krabby, our hashtag Krabby Crab, who was um, he was very much a a friendly focus um, cartoon appealing to families. Um, so you know, appealing to to those people that m may follow that behaviour that we know are at the coast in these summer holiday periods. Um, so yeah, very much targeted to those that potentially are those polite litterers who maybe think they're doing the right thing, leaving the waste by the bin. Um, so alongside these very sort of salient uh, posters, images, poster trailers, we had um, a roll of dispensers of plastic bags. Um, so the message was to encourage people to take a bag, pack up their, their, their litter and take it home. Um, so, you know, we know that sometimes when people come to the coast that they potentially are quite unprepared um, to, to take that litter home. So they've thought about getting there. They've got their they've got all their picnic or they've got all their takeaway material. But actually, you know, to come then and put that back in their car when it's all very messy and mess up the car, you know, is a bit of a, an obstacle for people um, to to be able to take that home, you know, without sort of making a mess in their own vehicle. So the bags were placed on the, um, or the dispenser rolls for the bags were placed on the side of the, the poster trailers. So people, so the messaging on the board was then directing them to take the bag. We also had some additional dispensers um, which were placed on like our toilet blocks in our car parks, our coastal locations. Um, and again, additional sort of signage to, to encourage people to, to use those um, instead of leaving their, their waste by bin. We stickered all our bins as well um, with the same sort of message. So our bins would read, um, don't make me crabby. Um, if this bin is full, please take your litter home. Um, and so, we, yeah, we were just trying to sort of back up that message throughout all of those key key points where people may see it throughout the, along the coast. I think that point you raise about people maybe having the intention to take their litter home but the focus, as you say, is on getting to the destination and all the other things that are going on with that day. Um, and it's it's actually how can we make that desired behaviour as simple for people as possible without those friction points where you, you end up sort of saying, I, I really want to do that behaviour, but it's just too difficult and there's too much else going mm -hmm. on. So I'll just put my, my, my stuff next to the bin and follow the herd and do it that way. So I think it's really important that point that you have the bins there clearly you know right underneath uh, the campaign you've got there so it it's easy you're making it as simple as possible for people to do the right thing um, yeah I, I just wanted to pull back to the the I know a podcast isn't the most visual medium and people can look on our website for your report but I just think it's really important if we can just describe a bit more what those big trailers looked like um how big yeah. are we talking here and and that they, you know, you got the crabby campaign, the pictures of crabs, like how, how was it done? Okay, so the trailers are, um, they're fairly sizable. I think they're sort of, um, sort of 14 foot by 10 foot, something like that. Um, and the, the colours, the colours that we use within the campaign is very much primary colours. I mean, you've got your reds and blues, um, you've got orange, I suppose, with crab, but very bright. So very, mm. very visual, attracting, um, like I said before, sort of attracting um, those families. Um, we had uh, on on one side uh, a big image of our sort of cartoony crab. Um, 
and a, a bubble coming out of his mouth which said don't make me crabby please take your litter home um, the message on the on the boards was look out litter bug um, so we're making it really clear um, that we are looking out which is part of that surveillance message um, and then underneath that um, it just said very simply um, grab a bag and take your litter home with an arrow that pointed round the corner onto the side of the trailer with our dispenser. On the other side, the other part of um, what we did was um, linked to social media. And so um, we uh, we had a, a, a converse side where people could stand and take a selfie and post that to social media with the hashtag Krabby. And that was a thank you message essentially, which said, thank you for doing the right thing. Thank you for taking your litter home. Um, and yeah, so, you know, um, we did get a fair number of people posting their images to social media of them holding up their bags um, and, and doing the right thing. So in terms of, you know, you've got the the big advertising trailer, which I think you did a fabulous job of describing on a, an audio <laughs> medium here <laughs> rather than visual. So it's, you've really brought it to life. Thank you. That's really helpful. Mm -hmm. um, you've got salience. It's it's very appealing. It's visual. You've got a clear character appealing to families. Um, you've got the bit around the surveillance, gently bringing in the surveillance point as well. So you're building in all everything that came from your insights. So just wanted to understand who was that intervention targeted at within the local population? Yeah, I mean, I think we, you know, we, we had, had identified two different types of littering really at the coast um, and one we've already spoken about, which is, is polite littering. And the second is, is those that um, are deliberately dumping, you know, quite often we will find piles of smashed glass and dumped barbecues and um, uh, all kinds of things, you know, along along the coast. Um, I think that behaviour is slightly different and that is probably not the, the behaviour that we were trying to target with this intervention. Um, I think if, you know, if people were going to go out and, and, and carry out that behaviour, then look out, you know, litterbug and um, uh, crabby is watching probably isn't a strong enough message. But we do have the, the you know, the silent majority the vast majority of people that potentially we can alter their behavior through through this message and that's who we were we were trying to target um those that you know with a with a nudge would carry out that desired behavior which is to take it to home and not leave it by the side of the bin so it's it's the polite littering part isn't it you were targeting with this having the bins there making it easy to do the right thing for people who probably want to do the right thing but they haven't remember to bring their own bags and not sure what to do there's too many other things going on so so you're making that as easy as possible for them yeah yeah that's, exactly. that makes sense yeah. and it's a clear targeted intervention okay so in terms of the timeline when did the advertising trailers go up and how long for so um it's a bit of a fast turnaround actually we sort of identified the problem went back to work with social engine in june um decided to target um our coastal littering and we got the trailers out by the end of July so from sort of conception to um, to to actually getting out on site they were out by the end of July our measurement period was the whole of August for our sort of trial intervention so we took the dates from the 1st of August through to the 31st 
um, for all our measurements. Um, the trailers actually stayed out till sort of mid-September, um, but any period the other side of that was wasn't necessarily measured, which was uh, measured, which was only a, a, a few days really. Great stuff. So the all important question: What was the impact? What happened? Um, so there's a few things that we looked at. Um, and that was the number of bags that were used. So we were replacing the, the rolls of bags um, pretty much every other day. And because they were a, an open dispenser sack, one of the one of the thoughts that we we had was that, you know, there's a possibility that someone could just come along and steal the whole roll, you know, if they were so so minded to. Um, but we did find that they were just very steadily taken. And so we were just replacing the sacks, you know, every at the rolls of sacks every other day. Um, so we found that over the course of August that um, nearly 7,000 sacks had been taken or used. So if you can imagine in your head, 7,000, you know, sacks of rubbish piled up. That's the amount of rubbish that potentially was added to these sacks at our coast and potentially taken home. 7,000 sacks. Wow. Yeah. And I'm thinking like a, a, a normal size bin bag or were they smaller or yeah so we're not talking like a black bin bag we're talking okay. like a sort of almost pedal bin liner size yeah. but you still sort of 45 litre ish you know um sack in terms of the other things we looked at so for the volume of litter we used july as a comparative i mean we've already spoken about the fact that you know we were having our bumper year essentially you know it wasn't really fair to compare with previous years. We'd already known that July and June had been very, very busy. So what we did is we made a comparison um, between our litter tonnages from July uh, to August, which we felt was the kind of fairest comparison, really. Um, now, obviously, a lot of things can affect the amount of litter that you will see on any given day um on um in any given location so not necessarily would um one location um on the same day um you wouldn't necessarily expect to find the same amount of litter or waste in one location the other based on location based on type of visitors you know you wouldn't necessarily expect to see the same amount of waste on um on a rainy day than you would to a very hot sunny day um, so there's a lot of variables here that we really can't control and we can't measure. But, you know, over the course of that month, we can kind of consider that um, if we looked at visitor numbers on these coastal locations, then we could get we could raise a sort of fair comparison of um, waste generated. Um, so we looked at the number of visitors that we had in our car parks through our car park revenue. And we looked at the number of users of our um, toilets who are um, clocked in and out as they go in and out on a sensor. And what we found is that between July and August, we'd had an increased number of visitors of 40%. So we have 40% more visitors in August than we did in July. So then we went away and we looked at our tipping weights for vehicles um, that we deployed to the coast. Um, and we had seen an increase in litter from July to August, um, as you would expect had you had 40% increase in visitors. But what we would have expected to see was about an additional um, almost 11 tonnes of waste. Um, and we didn't. So for us, this represented a 29% reduction in litter in these coastal areas. Um, I think 
financially, if we'd had to collect that additional almost 11 tonnes, we would have needed more vehicles, we'd have needed more operatives. And the estimated cost of that is about £10,000 over the month of August. Um, I think also, you know, the, the 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 other thing that's very good for us, one of the things we wanted to 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 understand is, you know, did this campaign, um, did the general public uh, think that this was a good campaign? Did the general public think that the council were actually taking action against anti-littering, against littering? And the feedback was really, really good in that sort of perception survey that was carried out after the intervention. Um, you know, there was a lot of people, 86% of the respondents thought that the bags were a very useful or a useful intervention. 60% of people agreed that the council was taking action against littering. So, you know, the the uh, perception of the general public um, was very good. Um, that post um, perception survey, we also looked at and we looked at what our operatives thought. And our operatives were telling us that, you know, this intervention was making their, their jobs easier. And that is really key. Um, you know, if they're having to pick up less waste, if their job is easier, then, you know, when we are, we are you know, we, we, we've made a difference. Um, so, yeah, um, overall, we, we we were just really pleased with the way that the, the intervention had, had um, the intervention had gone. You know, something that we can't measure um, is the environmental impact. You know, but if we know, if our options are telling us we have less uncontained waste by our bins, we have let we are finding less waste um, down on the coast, then what we know is that that means less of it will end up in our oceans and our waterways and it will protect our marine life and our and our planet. 11,000 tonnes. I mean, wow. Let's sit with that for a minute. 11,000 tonnes less waste, as you say you know, potentially going into the sea, affecting the environment. There's safety concerns there for visitors as well. You know, you've got lots of families, lots of children there could pick things up. Huge impact on your your frontline staff as well. And as a very, I would say, a low cost intervention, is that correct? Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest cost really um, is uh, the outlay for the, the poster trailers initially. Um, but they will they will be and actually you know if we move on to talk about what happened next um they are being reused you know they are a, they are a, now a, an asset and we can we can reutilize them and we are reutilizing them again this year at the coast um so um the cost of the sacks um was very minimal the operatives are already in those coastal locations so the, you know the cost in terms of replenishing those sacks is 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 nothing essentially because they are already there they're already carrying that task and like i say um uh, you know ha had we not had that intervention in place the possibility is that we would need to employ um almost an extra two staff um rolling seven days a week um, between 6am, 8pm to kind of manage that waste at the coast. Which equates to something like £470 every day, which, um, you know, is 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 substantial. And so on to next steps. So, yeah, um, I mean, you know, it was it was successful clearly at the coast. Um, 
so we've rolled it out again we've expanded it so this year we've gone to instead of three sites we're now at five sites we've put out some additional dispensers and some additional banners in areas where we couldn't get a poster trailer um and so far it's working really well um the feedback has been really positive you know we don't have any negative complaints from this campaign um what we do have um, which is sometimes very difficult for local authorities to receive we have had um uh, we have had positive feedback um we have uh, along a number of our coastal sites we have uh, beach beach huts and um beach hut owners um and we've had some uh, some you know emails and some uh, some positive feedback from them um so again you know the perception that we are we are carrying out action and we are doing something to tackle this problem um is proven really based on being clear about the behaviour you want to change, understanding of what drives that behaviour locally, and then a well-evidenced intervention that you've tried, you've piloted, it's been successful, and now you've scaled up from, like you say, to the five sites. So will that be for this summer? Is that is that live at the moment? So they are live at the moment. So they have been out um, about, so we put them out um, in the June uh, break holiday. Um, so they will be out now till the end of August, yeah, helping tackle that litter. Um, yeah, and so far, you know, we, we, we have been monitoring, we've been going around the coast, the feedback from our operatives is good. Again, we haven't had the weather potentially that we've had, but you know, we are now what a week away from the actual school holidays kicking in um, with people not being able to go abroad. You know, those visitors are going to come and um, we, we will monitor the situation quite closely and um, and see what impact it has. Um, I think if we go back to the, the original kind of, um, the original problem of littering from vehicles is still all those interventions sitting there. There's still a future for this. Look out for our forest um you know overarching framework and branding um obviously you know we have a, a fairly diverse area we have um a sort of multi uh, a range of sort of statutory bodies and that, that kind of look after various areas of the district you know we have forestry england we have the mpa we have the county council we have the highways agency we have ourselves and we all have um varying responsibilities and um, and varying timelines and so one of the things that the project did is at the very beginning was that stakeholder meeting it kind of brought all of those people together and so there is a level of shared understanding of a this project and b uh, this framework and how far it can can go and, and how, how it potentially can be used in other littering areas or littering strands um, and so we will at some point hopefully be able to revisit some of those interventions when we're able to to, to look at littering from vehicles again. Um, I think, you know, in, uh, one, of, one, of, one of the things that's happened very recently um, is we had some contact from a, a, a small parish actually um, of Minstead um, and they have a, a, a village green within their village which has um, two small litter bins. And the councillor said to us, you know, this has worked for years. We've had two small litter bins here and this has not been a problem. We've never had a problem. It's worked really well. But that behaviour we spoke about at the beginning that has changed where people within, you know, the COVID context are now going out and meeting outside and sitting on that village green um, rather than being inside or rather than being in a pub or a bar has changed that 
you know, people are bringing more stuff to that village green, to every village green, to every park, to every coastal location. And she said, our bins can't cope. And this is um, an area where um, we have free roaming animals as well. So to not to have litter left on in this area is potentially you know, problematic and, and dangerous for those animals. And so what they want to do is they want to take this look out for our forest branding framework and they actually want to take away those bins and they want to replace it using that branding and that message to take the litter home. Um, and so, you know, there's another um, another strand, really, or another way that we we can can utilize can utilize this message. I just wanted to pop back in terms of sort of you know COVID impact. So the dispensers for the bin bags, it was just you didn't have to like touch anything. To, I'm just thinking of you know around infection control and, and obviously the change behaviour again of people not wanting to touch things and was that a barrier or, or was had you set it up in a way that people just took the bin bags and it was fine yeah I mean the, the bags sort of come out on a dispenser um you can just snag it off um like you would um paper in a in a in a a dispenser in a, in the in a in the bathroom uh, for example so um no that wasn't necessarily an issue really I don't think um it you know it, it tends to work quite well. There's not a lot of touching points for that other than the bag that you're taking. Okay, and so in the village green example, there the plan is to use the the, the look after our forest branding and also have the dispensers there ready for, with the bin bags as well. No, yeah, no, the problem um, within these locations um, for especially where we have free roaming animals is that um, we can't have a roll of sacks that would be accessible to an animal because they would be able to then. Um, like they would if the litter was left there, they would be able to then um, to 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 eat that themselves, which would be problematic. And so therefore, that's why the message kind of has to change um, to take litter home. And we, we potentially couldn't use the sacks um, intervention there unless they could be made um, made secure from from animals, which, you know, is a possibility, but we haven't found that yet. So it's it's sort of changing the the intervention based on the environment within which you're going to actually put it into place so I can yeah. say that's great so you've got the beaches campaign going strong and expanding looking to um, in the future go more into the the original back to the litter and being thrown from cars at, onto verges forest campaign and also this work at that parish level as well around the village green changing the message there to encourage those to take their their litter home so um there's, there's so much learning for for other councils in in your project and as i say we'll um provide the link at the end of our conversation where they can read your report and and look at these nudges and see visually how you did things as well so Nicola, looking back over this whole journey you've been on through this behavioral insights project that you've you've undertaken in the new forest what has really surprised you what stood out as something you didn't you weren't aware of before you started this whole process so i think you know when we started off this process um as i stated before one of the one of the the, uh, the things that we did is uh, what social engine did for us we had this key stakeholder meeting and or within that there was um obviously open conversations about um between stakeholders as to you know what 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 was causing this problem? Who was causing this problem? Who is the perpetrator? Who do we need to target? And there was a lot of conversations and a lot of thoughts that, you know, this might be a young person's problem. You know, 
um, it's, it's young people, it's young people dropping litter, it's young people throwing litter from vehicles because they don't care. Um, and, and the research has shown that actually this this wasn't this they weren't the, they weren't the problem. Um, and um, although they may be slightly more honest about their behaviour, when we think about our actual issue that we found at the coast um, of this polite littering, it wasn't young people that were specifically coming to the coast and piling up, you know, mountains and mountains of waste and litter by bins. Um, and so, yeah, what I've learned is that we, we need to let go of those um, those previously held um, ideas of, 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 of what we think is the problem and really open up and trust the trust the behavioral research um, to 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 follow um, through these interventions. That's a really key point, a really important point. And I guess linked to that last question, um, for those busy council officers and busy councillors that are listening, that are thinking, right, I really want to do a similar project. What what would be your three key practical pieces of advice for them? So um, number one is that behavioural insights experts really do know their field. And so you should really trust your experts. But alongside that, don't be afraid to question them because you know your field of work, you know your geography and you know your demographics. And those two elements really have to work together and you do have to work with them and have those conversations to 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 make sure that you you know they are understanding um, how your district and how your your problem is is working as well. Um, the second thing would be that measurement isn't always easy. Um, and so you really need to know your data before you start. Um, you need to think about, you know, what is your problem and how you are going to measure that because you cannot rely on gathering all that data or capturing that data during your trial. Um, and thirdly, be flexible. I think this project in itself is is um, is probably a very good example of that. Um, despite our best intentions, I think we can often enter into projects with a very fixed idea of the outcome. So you need to let that go. Um, and the other thing is, I think also, even if you know that your uh, intervention has had zero impact on you, then you will have learned and your original challenge, then, you know, you will have learned more about that original challenge than perhaps if you would have succeeded. And if you've learned and you've documented that, then that can be shared with your peers nationwide. And that in itself is such a saving of valuable time and resource. That's fantastic, Nicola. A really strong way to end our conversation this week. I've really enjoyed it. And thank you so much for your time. No problem. Thank you very much for having me. It's been lovely to talk about Krabby again. <laughs> great stuff great stuff and good luck with the next steps for the projects so if you would like to learn more about behavioral insights projects that you can try out in your council please do visit our website www.local.gov.uk and search for behavioral insights we have a host of other nudges for social good on our website that you can learn from uh, that other councils have, have already undertaken and that you can use to address your local behavioral challenges Please do share the podcast with your colleagues and with friends and many thanks for listening.